2: And good morning, everybody. I hope you all are having an amazing day. I'm really excited about today. I know I say that in every intro, but this is someone who I've admired for so long and just everything I do is just beyond. Um, We have today Miles Worthington, and he is the founder of Worthy, which is a multicultural agency. And you are probably familiar with this work when he was over at Netflix, who spearheaded a lot of great initiatives like Strong Black Lead. Um, Contoro, like so many of their amazing multicultural initiatives and just really revolutionized um, that landscape, in my opinion. And so I'm so excited to have him on today as he walks us through everything that he's doing at Worthy and how he's helping brands and all that stuff and just advice on just DI and inclusion and diversity altogether. So if you are into entertainment, if you are here for (laughs) Beyoncé, i think we talk about beyonce i think we get into a little bit um also i hope you all got your renaissance tickets um we are gonna get into it so i hope you grab a pen grab paper because miles drops amazing knowledge on all of us so let's get into today and miles welcome how are you i'm wonderful how are you doing we are doing good over here, living our best lives. Uh, Bravo, Khan. People will go into that like another episode, but
1: just still weird. I feel like you're going to have uh, uh, multiple <laughs> episodic situation about it'll it. It'll be like,
2: it'll be like Beyonce's acts. I'll do like an act one, act two, act five. Like <laughs> just like different acts, just like going to it. <laughs> Listen,
1: Maybe you'll have visuals. I don't know. Cause I'm still waiting. Are you, still, I mean. Lord. We I don't we know do when it's going to come out, but right now, it's not out. Well, like, yeah, <laughs> I was
2: like, people, this is February. Like, right now we're in October. <clears throat> we have no visuals. Hopefully in the future we have our visuals, and I can mention that in the <laughs> intro, but till then, we have no visuals.
1: No visuals.
2: <laughs> but Miles, before we get into we always ask the question here, um, what the term young influentials means to you when you hear it? So no wrong Ooh. answers.
1: I mean, I'm glad to still be classified as young. What a blessing that is. I'm dead. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know. I'm getting out of bed with more creaks and things these days. I'm like, oh, I'm glad uh, someone still thinks we're young, so that's good. Um, but I, I, I hope I hope what it means is that somebody who's kind of cleared a path, opened some doors for folks behind them, and that's still accessible and approachable for that that not-too-far-back generation Um I think when I'm like in this world and doing this work, I want to make sure that like I'm bringing people along with and making it easier for the next class, so to speak. So that's what I hope young influentials means.
2: Come on, trailblazer. Come on, icon. Okay. (laughs) Not even. (laughs) I did. Okay. But before we get into recent, all the amazing stuff you're doing recently, take us back to childhood miles. Like, How did media play in your life? I feel like a lot of times when a lot of us who work in this industry, like there was something that sparked us, whether it was representation or just like seeing a show or something that really wanted us to get into it. So how did your role play? Um, I think it might be like
1: twofold. So I think the role media played in like, in my life when it comes to just like representation and just seeing a family that looked like mine, felt like mine, sounded like mine on screen um, was probably like both *Crooklyn* and *Soul Food*. So, I those two are still two of my favorite movies, and I remember seeing *Crooklyn* at a really young age and just being like, "Wow, that looks and sounds like my family, like so so much." And I grew up in a pretty predominantly white neighborhood, so it was it was like my family at home and and media re- representation like this and that just felt good it felt safe and I, I have like a burned in memory of like sitting on the porch uh at this house we were renting in Martha's Vineyard and my great-grandmother who's now passed like pointing was like right there that Spike Lee walking in front of us He was like on his way to the corner store He's like that's the man who directed that movie you like and I was like oh my god and then I met him flash forward a bajillion years later met him and told him that story <laughs> so it was a really kind of full circle moment but I think that those two movies like really hit home for me and I think also later on in life, I forget the movie I watched, but it just showed what like marketing was. And I just didn't know what I wanted to do for the early part of my life. And I was like, look, like I am, I'm not good at math. We are not going to be an accountant. (laughs) Not going to be these things where like you need this sort of like tactical, correct, accurate information from me. Like that's not my strong suit. So I was like, what am I going to do? And then I, oh, that's what it was. It was Mel Gibson movies don't at me, but uh what we want when yeah, we like market the yeah, thing in the box. Like I was like, that is so cool. That's something I could do, and it doesn't involve numbers, really. Like, let's do that. So <laughs> that's, that's the two very different, very different sides of the entertainment and film coin that probably has an impact on my on my uh, upcoming.
2: I'm I always like, I'm trying to think, like, I I feel like it's like a variety of like I feel like shows like Moesha, Will and Grace, um, Taina. Um I don't know, I feel like it's it like when we I started knew to we see- gave Taina one season too. Uh, did she like get one or was it two? I don't know. Maybe I'm making it's it up I'm like by like- two. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, we needed more, and then she popped back in Freaky Friday. We all were like, Christina, where have you been? Really? <laughs> she was like popped up. We're like, girl, yes, we're like yes, we're- yes. okay, like we're happy to see you. Uh, but no, I feel like it was like it was like those that I feel like that's when we all I was like, OK, so you guys do want to see like black and brown and other type faces and representation. And, and the thing about now that I really like is just like there's so many out, outlets and I feel like now a lot of people are like, oh, you can be Latinx and queer, black and disabled. And like we're now seeing those like um, different storylines because it used to be like very just like, up. Oh, you can either be black you can't be or whatever. And now people are like, oh, yeah, we are humans that have, like, different intersectionalities. Right. And so we're now starting to see those on screen. So I'm glad about that. But I feel like later, like, in the early 2000s stuff, we only saw, like, they're like, oh, we made our quota. Here's the brown family. Here's the here's the gay it. character. And I'm just like, um, all right, yes, right, I'll take it. Yes, the only, the only network that never had a quota was
1: the UPN days. That was just, like,
2: our spot. Let me tell you something. <laughs> UP, it, like, we had girlfriends, we had one-on-one, all of us.
1: Half and half, like, all uh, of that. Half and I'm half. Uh, through this, this was,
2: journey. I think at least kind of
1: as a rerun, they are on there. I know, right? That, <laughs> that one the best intro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's
2: still about today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, I, from time to time, I'll just, like, put on that theme song along with my wish. I'll be like, to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah. What a time. To- what an era. What an era. Like. Lightning won't strike like that again. <laughs> mm-mm,
1: mm-mm. I wish it would, but I just, I don't see it. I don't
2: it's, see just not, it. Co- it's not coming. But now fast forward. to so like, did you study or what, like, uh, what was like, or what was your like first role in like the media realm? Like, was it an internship or like entry level? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, um, so I went to school in New York. So I went to undergrad at Fordham university in the Bronx and I, my very first internship was um, at Baby Fat and Fat Fashion. So I got to work like under Kimora Lee Simmons, uh, and her whole and team, Rus- Russell Simmons, before Russell Simmons had some like I but, Like That was like a whole <laughs> era and that was like the era of Baby Fat and Fat Farm. Like we were at fashion shows. We were the cool, hot, sexy thing that a lot of celebrities were wearing. Um, and that was another just like incredible moment for me because that was my first time being in like an off like a corporate office you know like I grew up like my my mom who's still working there now she's been a flight attendant at Delta for 35 years so I've never been brought up in like a somebody goes to a nine-to-five goes to the office comes back see what that environment's like so this was really my first time in it and it was amazing but probably also ruined me because I was just I came in I after, after that I would leave and go to other other offices and be like oh I just assume it's this diverse it is this kind of female-led, black and brown and Asian-led and just comfortable. Um, and then I know we'd go to the other spaces and be like, oh, this was kind of a unicorn. This doesn't exist anywhere else. So that was like a, an interesting kind of thing to learn later on in life. But yeah, I think that for me sparked a lot of, of deep interest in a continued interest in marketing and communications and just storytelling and storytelling for us and people who usually don't get seen and served because those products were made by and for Black people and Latinx people and Asian people and people who were just like of the culture and just being in those rooms and 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 even working as an intern on some of those projects just felt so different and so just good that I was like I want to just do this um, all the time. So it was a really really kind of um, pivotal moment for for me and I think the rest of my career is is that
2: one internship. No, and I feel like uh, that like that was just such a prime time. Like I remember, like I feel like did Kimmer have like a reality show where she like did the ins and outs and like just seeing life her like way, yeah the I, I was like I was, to say, I was like yeah i was like i'm pretty sure i watched that like religiously yeah. and i just used to love seeing like how just how baby fat and like fat farm all together were just like you said like change makers like leading it for like asian black brown like all that like really setting the tone for it and like seeing them in all the fashion shows and people like seeing like oh they can't create yes like people like You're just copying and pasting it and making it for your own, but, like, this is the blueprint. Like, get with it.
1: And everyone now, too, is, like, body diversity. But I was, like, I was working these shows. This was, like, 2006. And Kamara always had body diversity in there, and it wasn't body diversity. It was just, like, well, this is the kind of clothes I'm making. Yeah, the standard. So, um, yeah, no, that was was a really, really cool experience.
2: Yeah, and I feel like definitely, like, then that was when multicultural... um, marketing wasn't even called it. it was just like the standard like seeing like all different types of races colors like you said body shapes and stuff on the marketing and then like later on like we started calling it multicultural marketing but I feel like yeah like, like, at that time it was just the standard <laughs> well too it was like that was the era it
1: was like so baby fat fat farm boo, like rockware was coming out so it was all the things that were like like by us. so like my interpretation at that time it was like For it to be quote-unquote multicultural, it had to be almost like owned and a totally separate thing that's like, this is for you. Like, let's not, you know, tarnish the name of this, like, predominantly white brand by, like, making things more integrated or anything like that. Like, it always felt like a standalone, which at that time was, like, a beautiful thing and still is a great thing. But I think now, like, brands are being asked. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, this is the global majority. Like you have to change your thing and not yeah. rely on a separate thing to come up alongside of you or behind you.
2: Yeah, it's like, it's like, uh, ma'am, it's not us. It's, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's not me. <laughs> but fast forwarding, you did a lot of great work at uh, Netflix, like Contoto, Strong Black Lead, just like so many of those. Can you kind of give us like a background of like how those c- initiatives came about? Yeah, yeah, no, it was such a, an amazing experience and
1: run journey. Um, so I started at Netflix October 2016. And I like cold applied online, had not done traditional entertainment ex- before. So I was just like, we'll see if this turns into anything. And fortunately, got in those doors and was hired on the consumer PR team, Um, just as like a general consumer PR manager, like no focus on audiences, whatever. but. I remember very early on in my time there asking my then manager, like, hey, like, who does multicultural PR? Like, I want to meet the team. I used to do that. My other agencies. Like, like, would just love to, to say what's up. Um, and they're like, oh, that doesn't really exist. We don't have that. We don't have that specialty, this, that, and the other. So it's like, oh, like, do you mind if I try some things? Like, I won't let it get in the way of my job. Like, I just, I just feel like I want to test some things out. And I think one of the beauties of Netflix and the culture is just, it's just this freedom and responsibility it's like yeah if you think that's a good use of your time like you should do that um and there was no kind of like challenges there or like let's flag this to whatever it was just like just go so started a few things like started like pitching black press like here's all the black titles coming to netflix in february cool this is working okay let me kind of reach out to latin express and say like here's all the latinx titles that are coming with like the the kind of Latino directors or Latino actors and things like that. And that started to become a thing within, within different outlets. Um, And then it kind of linked up with other folks across different marketing functions. I was like, Hey, like I'm doing something over here. I heard you're kind of interested in doing something for audiences. Like what can we do together? And we created the first brand campaign focused on audiences called first time I saw me. And like, summer 2017 we filmed it at essence fest and it was this like really really beautiful piece that um did quite well and i think really opened the doors and opened the kind of aperture of of the appetite for that sort of work internally and that was also happening at a time when the business was shifting a little bit where we were like all right like we're about to have like close to a thousand titles a year we're gonna you know be in all these countries like we can't we can't handle the output of this on like one Netflix master brand. We have to kind of think differently we have to verticalize. So with that and with um, that kind of like change, I was, I then moved over to, it was then called the brand and editorial team and to help really stand up this new space. One of which was strong black lead. Um, so moved over there was very, very lucky to just be, I had a black boss in that moment, and we kind of together, plus another really great cross-functional team, launched this this new platform. And and it was such a, I want to call it a risk, but it wasn't like we we uh, we had it all figured out. We were kind of like, we believe in this. This makes sense. We know if we're going to be in entertainment, we know we have to be in this space with specificity. Like, let's do this. Um, And my boss at the time, um, who went on to do an incredible other thing, she would say, no, we started over here also because, like, she was a Black woman. She's like, we're going to start what we know, and then we'll expand as we kind of move. So started there, hired for that team, and then started to lead that team, then used that momentum to say, like, hey, like, we have to start thinking about Latinx audiences. Like, they are going to be the U.S. demographic. We cannot not think about them with specificity. So built that strategy, hired that team, that started moving. And in that same breath, it was like, oh, LGBTQ plus audiences as well. Like, how do we think about them and the unique things that they're looking for? Not that we're not thinking about intersectionally across all of them, but having that like standalone voice and that space to kind of push that conversation, both internally and externally. So similarly, like hired for that team and and then finally um, towards the Beginning of so January 2022, the beginning of that year, launched Netflix Golden, which was mm-hmm. more like the larger Asian diaspora. So really focusing on that audience there. So throughout that time, like built a lot of really incredible sub-brands and communities, hired the most phenomenal, brilliant people you've ever met in your life. That their sole purpose was like, how do we make the brand, the titles, the talent of Netflix resonate with people based on their lived experience? Um, so led like did that work for about five and a half close to six years um, and it
0: was it was an incredible run hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites
2: all the different and what I liked about it was it was just so authentic like not just like running like the different like lgbt or the different like asian-based stories but also just like the different conversations like I loved like the different like the podcast type little many things on like on and then like the different conversations on like Strong black lead that would talk about like just different like culture things there and I feel like it was just done such a way that was like authentic to the space and felt like it was coming from like a friend or a person who would like Got it. Because a lot of times when these brands do those types of like initiatives, it comes across as like, "Hey, brown, yes, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like I'm here to talk." To, it's like, "Girl, what do you know?" <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. I'm glad it felt that way. That was the goal. So like you want this to feel human first. You want this to feel like this is your black best friend, your queer best friend, who just happens to know more stuff about Netflix than you and is that a resource, right? And I think I'll never forget, there was another brand that came into Netflix and was like, how did you guys do this? Like, give us whatever. We're like, we just hired, um, <clears throat> we hired people in the audience and let them do the work. I'm so good. What, what is the question again? Like, I mean, that <laughs> is always the hardest thing. I'm just like, how did you nail this? It's just like, you hire smart, black and brown and queer people and you just let them go um, and don't try to hold them back. So I think if you hold them back, then that's when you start to have this kind of corporate tone that is not believable, doesn't bring people in and then it's just seen as performative. So again, I think attributing to like the Netflix of it all, where they just like let us have the free reign to do those things was, was really helpful in nailing that authenticity.
2: And I feel like also doing channels and doing verticals like that also goes and helps promote the message away from like, we only highlight LGBT issues during June or like black issues in February or like Hispanic issues in oh, September, started. October. And it's like, <clears throat> and it's like, people don't stop being whatever <clears throat> right. with the month. <laughs> in, it's like, it's like, oh, got to take this off. <laughs> like, right. no, I, like, oh like, no. And I'm like, and I feel like, yeah, exactly. Cause a lot of brands are like, oh yeah. And I feel like just doing that also helps create the message where it's like, no, we need to do this 365. It's not something we're just going to do monthly and I feel like that's why those verticals are still so important because it helps everybody else get the message where it's like oh yeah we gotta do this like we gotta keep doing this we can't just stop
1: 100 percent. you can't have authenticity without consistency like it's it's complete garbage if you have one without the other so fully fully agree
2: like testify and we're fast forwarding (laughs) now and you have started your uh, like give us give us the rundown how did it come about like Yeah, let's see
1: the vision. So it was around like fall ish of 2021 where I was like, all right, like this is before we launched Netflix Golden. And that was one we have been talking about for a while. That's the one really committed to the Asian American and Asian diaspora audience. And that was the last one I was like, I need to get this out. Like we've been talking about it for forever. Like I'm so committed to making this happen. But then after that, like, I I felt like I was ready to do something else. Uh, I'd been there for a while. Loved the team, loved the work. But I was like, I need to, I'm ready to figure out the next thing after I get this out the door. So as I had that in my head, I started thinking about what do I want to do next? Do I want to go work in another studio? Do I want to kind of switch away from entertainment again and go to a different brand? Like, what do I want to do? And my wife actually was like, hey, like, you should think about like doing something on your own like a lot of people come to you for questions and to pick your brain and you do that for free around like how do you approach audiences how do you think about these strategies etc that could be its own business um so i thought about it and i was like yeah but there's so many multicultural marketing agencies like what would make mine different um and but i kind of came to a point where like actually i do think i have something different to offer where I do think that a lot of the agents in that space um, have only been asked to do the, the History Month or Heritage Month campaigns. And there's room to kind of redefine what that is, like together, not just me as a standalone, but all of us together, redefine what the brands need from us, meaning they need cultural competency that kind of connects with the culture. So how are we understanding what is happening in the news, the zeitgeist, the kind of just human behavior and matching that with what somebody's just natural instincts and motivators are based on their lived experience and the shared qualities they have on how they were raised and who they came from. And that is such a special space, especially as we think of the evolving demographics, the global majority being much more black and brown and queer and gender fluid. Like, I, I just, I can't preach this enough that if you believe in a general market that is, white and lives in middle America and is cis and straight, like you're going to not win this race. And we want to help brands do that. So once I kind of rallied around that, I was like, okay, there is a differentiating factor. There is a need here. And I think like I and the things that I believe in and the people I know that I can bring onto this work, like I can really supply some value to brands as we kind of like keep tracking towards this, this new little majority. So kind of said, all right, that's the plan. Let's do this. Oh, God, what do I do next? But um, so started starting, like, <laughs> write some things down, put together a business plan. I Googled my like, business plan and then started <clears throat> to kind of like figure out what do I need to think about? What are the questions I need to ask myself to make this a reality? Started talking with different brand leaders of like, hey, like, here's what I'm thinking about doing. If I left Netflix and did this, like, would this be of interest to you? Got a lot of good response and, um, towards the end of April, signed our first client. And I was like, all right, this is, we're going, let's go. So jumped into that, started working work with Peloton out the gate, then P&G, then Paramount Plus, then Lionsgate. And throughout this whole time, like I had announced that I was no longer with Netflix, but I was like, let me just build this in quiet. Like, it's kind of nice to move in silence, if I'm being honest, if people are like, what are you up to next? I was like, resting. I don't know. Don't you know once I <laughs> drinking, water, out, drinking
2: water, minding drinking. my business
1: yes exactly exactly it was it was so nice actually like as somebody who's kind of like sometimes lives in the public eye a little bit when it comes to this world i was like it's so nice to just fly under the radar for a little bit and then i got to a point i was like all right if i need to make this thing a thing and start bringing on more people and earning more business like i have to announce so did that And, and now we're in this really incredible point of just growing adding more incredible business and Hiring a lot of the people who I used to work with on the Netflix side. So that's such a fun opportunity to like get back connected with that amazing, amazing group. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just thrilling. It's exhausting. It is terrifying. It <laughs> is thrilling, and I love it. I wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world.
2: And I feel like what's cool about that is like, I feel like a <laughs> lot of branches and stuff do want to be a part of the culture and like really, it's really, it sounds like it's like an easy path, but they quote unquote, don't know how to do it. So I feel like, because it's, like, I think of examples where people are, like, oh, like, we posted about, like, um, Pride, yay, um, but, you know, we want to stick around, but, like, where do we go? And I always tell people, I'm, like, why don't you start internally, like, talking to, like, people on your team who work with you who are a part of these communities? You want? And, it, and like, a lot of times they're, like, so blown away. And I'm, like, why, why is that a misstep? Like, why don't you, like, why don't yeah, you start
1: there? But an asterisk to that, too, because that's sometimes labor additional labor that like they may not shouldn't be responsible for unless they're getting paid a separate salary right like it's like if i'm gonna go tap a black woman in accounting and ask about her blackness for my marketing campaign and she's just like i'm trying to get these balance sheets done like why are you <laughs> asking me to do this but that happens a lot mm-hmm. when people or companies rely on their ergs and i think as black people and marginalized people are like i want to help it's for the betterment of my community but the tough part is it's like you already have a job that you're being paid for mm-hmm. and these companies if they're serious they need to pony up and either change the staffing of their actual marketing team and or bring in an outside group person or whatever to help them because it's it's tough when it's like the on the shoulders of people who already mm-hmm. have responsibilities for the company
2: yeah and i feel like that's you probably a good point too it's like if you don't know like definitely like look up and search and seek these agencies and uh, marketing that can help you with that. Because the excuse of well, we just did it like that, Like you said, that's not going to fly and that's, you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to go anywhere. So it's like, you got to stop yeah. the excuse of like, yeah, we can't really we didn't know where to go to. We couldn't find an agency to help us with our uh, black like, initiatives. We're or out whatever. here. I'm like, um, <laughs> you're telling me you Googled and you couldn't find Nobody uh, knew anybody? You have, internet.
1: you have access to the internet? Yeah? yeah.
2: You gotta you gotta be on Chase internet and couldn't find yeah. what you needed. <laughs> we
1: always say like she found a hundred and something person black person marching band and you can't find not one yeah. Marriott. No. don't give me
2: that. <laughs> like I, it makes it makes no sense to me. I don't get it. Mm-mm. But like what is the Amazing. what is kind of, what is kind of the first step that you do whenever the clients like come to you and they're like, Hey, we need help. Like, is there like a process that you make sure whatever you're working on with them makes kind of makes sense with their audience where it doesn't seem like it's like forced? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a, a large conversation
1: just around like, Hey, what are you observing? Are there perceptions that you feel like are, either incorrect or maybe correct that you'd like to shift. Cause that's what really marketing is. It's the, it's the business of perception, shifting and, and creation. Right. So it's like, do we need to establish something or do we need to help shift it? And really for these audiences, like you can't fake the shift. You cannot do a campaign and then expect everyone to be like, all right, they believe in us. We're good. It's really much more long standing than that It has to be super consistent. Um, so really it's like, it's, aligning with that from the get of like hey like we're not we're probably not the best company if you need somebody to just do your pride campaign could we yes but i want us to spend more time doing something that's a little bit more everlasting and systemically changing Mm -hmm. so it's like yes you should do something for pride a thousand percent like your your silence is deafening if you don't and Another thing about marginalized groups is like, we're going to check the feed if you do or you don't, mm-hmm. and we will be like, well, did you did you have any queer people on June 29th? Nope, no, you flipped it and then July 1st, that rainbow was gone. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like we're not getting to a point where that is the, the level of output, but really like I'm, I'm trying to get to a point where like, I'm trying to show the data that these audiences are worth your ongoing investment. They're not a flash in the pan. They're not a a heritage month we did it they're the ones who have massifying power they're the ones who have just incredible amplification and reach outside of their own demographic group i think that's a a huge misnomer where people think oh if we do something for black people it's only going to hit black people when everyone else has had to watch all these ads and movies and tvs of white cis straight people for years and somehow found a way to relate to them now that the the growing demographic is changing we're just asking everybody to see themselves in people that, were in, that they didn't have to in the past and that is a powerful thing if you look at even like i say this a lot of times but like one of the best shows of our generation and secure is one of the blackest things to ever be made directed by written by starring all of that however nielsen ratings are like it's like 61 percent white women so that watch the show So, which means it's hitting the black audience. You can tell by opening up Twitter when any of those episodes would launch, (laughs) but like, it's very clear when it was hitting and the conversation after just kept going, but that did not deter or exclude people who did not have that exact same lived experience. And that's another kind of thing I'm trying to debunk with this work is that you have to go after these audiences. They're massive buying power and they do not exclude others who have that specificity. Specificity is a powerful, powerful weapon.
2: Yeah, it's like just because you have a show with a um, Asian family who's leading whatever doesn't mean whatever like blah 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 like type agenda. Like people, everybody's still if it's good content, everybody's still gonna watch it. So I don't understand the whole thing of like, well, you know, most of our demographics not this. So I don't know if we should renew renew it for another season or really put in our marketing efforts to really push that it's coming. Like we don't know. I'm like people listen. (laughs) <laughs> like, like the, the way that, like
1: you know, everyone showed up for crazy rich Asians, and they only represent about eight percent of the U.S. demographic. But I think, like when they, when they were looking at the, the theatrical seat spot, it was like fifty six percent Asian, and then a really great spread of other demographics, meaning that you overexcited the group that was in that was for, but also did not exclude others, or like. Little Mermaid coming up, like, good ooh, lord. Like, that ooh. is going to be... Ugh. I've got two daughters. I cannot wait. And my son, ooh. too. Like, we're all gonna go front seat, rent out a theater, and just, like, have ourselves a time watching Halle Bailey do her thing. Like, that's just... It's... Yeah. The
2: cultural and reset... And everybody should
1: watch that movie regardless. It yeah. is gonna be a cultural reset. That
2: cultural... Like, I'm <laughs> think, I am not think... Like, when I, when I think about the soundtrack and... How Parkwood Entertainment is all up in that. it'll mm-hmm. be the transit. I feel like the transition from like Scuttle singing to Sebastian, whatever the transitions are going to be smoother than Renaissance. Like I truly <laughs> believe, <that. It's laughs> butter. Like, butter, butter, butter. <laughs> like I, I don't think I don't think people really understand like what we're about to witness. Like no. Beyonce is about to bless us in a way that we didn't know we needed.
1: Like, like I, do you think she'll get like a feature? Do you think she'll be a
2: feature on the soundtrack? Little little You know her, you aspect. know she's an executive You know she's an executive producer. You yeah. know she is. You oh. know her hair <laughs> uh-huh. Like, but I'm just waiting on them to do princess and the frog live action. I want Kiki Palmer to do it. Don't like Oh yes, Kiki I, Kiki don't argue with me. Every job. Every job. Just
1: hire her. The way I put her in every deck I sent, I was like, and then Kiki Palmer should do this. <laughs>
2: I just and the fact that she's starting her own net, like her whole network thing. I'm like, ugh, just everything she does. Like, I like yep. I did, that's the that's a whole episode by itself. I'm like, Akila, <laughs> you came
1: that's here. A whole, that's
2: a whole podcast <laughs> by itself. Kiki Pop like, appreciation. Yeah, I'm like Akila, you taught us how to spell, and now you're teaching us how to bring representation to the TV screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I can, yeah, that's a whole another episode. <laughs> Like I, but for my for my last question, I guess, like, for, uh, for those who are listening, like, cool, like, Miles, love that you have Worthy and all these, and your agency and all this stuff to do X, Y, and Z. But, like, what's a first step for me who wants to bring more representation to our marketing and our branding? Like, what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, I would say to stay really curious. Like, look... It, yeah. I think sometimes people think that it's just a ton of work and sometimes people are fearful of it. Um, But don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid of the shifting demographics. Don't be afraid of what you don't know. Um, There might be a fear of if I don't know this and hire outside counsel, is my job at risk? Am I showing that I'm incompetent? I can't do this. But actually, like you're showing that you're smart enough to know that this is needed for your business and you're bringing it in versus bringing it in when you have to, right? That makes it seem scary and, and reactionary and you don't want that. Like bringing it in now and, and coming in with the data of how this is going to positively impact your business will only help you. So stay curious, don't be fearful and just be open, learn from others, jump on Twitter, jump on all these places and just kind of observe if, if, it's, if it's a foreign place to you, if if the conversations around Uh, Groups and 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 movies and shows that may not be directly for you or are are foreign. Go to those theaters. Click the hashtag on Twitter and see how people are talking about it. Just just be a
2: be a student of it all. No, Amen. Because this whole thing of like, well, I don't want to hire them because they're good. Girl, you're not gonna lose your job. Like, I rather you have marketing that hits than like you posting something. Be like, did it. And then and yeah. we all are just look at you crazy. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah because, as, you know, marginalized people are very loyal
1: when you do it right. But also, we remember we will drag your ass when you mess it up. So, like, just it's it's worth it to hire and pay for it at the upfront, then pay for it in a different way later. Cleanup crew is a lot harder. A lot, lot harder.
2: Yeah, it's, like, it's like, we will drag you to the end. We will go through.
1: <laughs> to, to the end. Yes. And, and the, it's the memory too. That's why I, like, I love and hate the internet where you know, you'll know you see a brand do something great and be like, yeah, but three years ago, they said this one time Screenshot. So I don't know if they're right or if this is bullshit or whatever. It is. I'm just like, wow, you went through your photos and were like, no, I saved this one. Let me just look and see. And found it and just dropped the receipts. And that's what I love and hate about Twitter and, and this work sometimes.
2: Listen, when people start bringing up receipts from like, well, she posted that thing in September 2nd, 2007. I'm like, she barely <laughs> like, got on Twitter. Like, how do you have this yeah. receipt? Like, it blows my mind. That's why I'm like, listen, if you have a a, a gut instinct where you're like, I don't know if this is going to hit right, just scrap it and start from scratch. Yep. <laughs> just, if you even think, just no, just stop. Just stop. Yep. <laughs> but Miles, thank you so much for blessing us with all this knowledge, all this, like, ugh. Wisdom, just blessing us. Bless you for being here.
1: (laughs) Thank you, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. This was fun. We gotta do this again. This was this was a blast. (laughs) It's like we'll come back and we'll I'll bring you back for the Kiki episode and we'll yes, the Kiki episode will be a guest appearance and maybe by then these god dang
2: visuals will be out. I don't know what are you. We we need it. So uh, let us pray. (laughs) (laughs) Let us pray. (laughs) Wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at AdWeek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the AdWeek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manarino. Executive produced by Chris Aarons and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountville Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.